Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 206. I just wrapped up a wonderful seven-night adventure on Royal Caribbean's Harmony of the Seas, and this week, I'm sharing with you my thoughts and review from my time on board. We'll discuss every aspect of the cruise, including my stateroom, dining, ports we visited, and a whole lot more. Here we go. Having wrapped up my Harmony of the Seas cruise just this past weekend, you know, I feel like there's a lot to talk about because obviously Harmony of the Seas is Royal Caribbean's newest cruise ship at the moment. And more importantly, it's on the minds of a lot of folks that are out there. So I wanted to share my cruise experience on Harmony of the Seas because there's a lot of firsts that I try and also some maybe things I revisited. Because Harmony of the Seas is brand new, she's just a little over a year old, there's a lot of people that are considering taking cruises on Harmony of the Seas, and I can safely say that Harmony of the Seas is a wonderful ship overall. I think the last time I went on Harmony in November, I declared it my favorite cruise ship. It still very much holds so in in Royal Caribbean's fleet, because I love the variety of things that are offered on Harmony. I also love the combination of classic Oasis class experience, plus quantum class additions to the ship, the water slides. I mean, there, there's just a lot the ship has to offer. And whether you're cruising with families or not, it I, I think there's just something for everybody. And when you're talking about that kind of a thing where you can say literally everybody can find something to enjoy on this ship, I think that means a lot. And I came away from my Harmony of the Seas cruise really looking forward even more to my Harmony of the Seas cruise in September as part of the Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise. I was always looking forward to it. But getting on Harmony again and kind of reminding myself about why I fell in love with the ship the first time, it really just, I, I just came away thinking all the time, man, I can't wait to get back on here with all my friends from Royal Caribbean Blog because I think, you know, experiencing these different options and activities and entertainment with folks from RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com that really get it, right? Being able to share that experience with your friends, to me, is what makes it even more fun. And I knew just being on board here again this week that that was, you know, I, I really am even more excited for that group cruise. So let's talk about the cruise and some of the uh, ins and outs of the experience. We stayed in a Central Park balcony room. I've stayed in Central Park balconies before. No surprise there in terms of the experience, but I did really enjoy it quite a bit. The, you know, there was there was certainly no noise. One of the common questions I always get is, you know, is there a lot of noise? Is there a lot of, is it, you know, can you sleep well? Yeah, absolutely. I, I never had any issues with noise. I think noise... Uh, concerns when it comes to Central Park balconies, boardwalk balconies, promenade balconies, completely overblown. Don't worry about it. I It's not even on the radar of issues to be concerned about. I mean, if you're sitting on your balcony, will you hear you know, uh, music from the pool deck? Yeah, we were on deck 12, which is the highest Central Park balcony deck that's available, and you can literally see the hot tub from my room. So that was definitely uh, I would, you know, uh, something you could hear, but it was never a problem. In fact, I kind of enjoyed it that I could sit on my balcony work on my on my day job or work on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com and be able to hear, uh, you know, some music. It's like background music, essentially, is what it was, and I really did enjoy it. Speaking of our balcony, we did have an extra large balcony. So going into this cruise, I knew that Oasis of the Seas and Allure of the Seas had special Central Park balconies that were extra large. The reason why they're extra large, as far as I can tell, is they're right next to the living wall. That's the wall in the middle of Central Park that has a lot of different plants growing on it, and it's vertical, so it's literally a wall of growing plants, and for whatever reason, the balcony, this particular balcony, has a, it's larger, it's like double the size. There is actually, if you're facing my room to the right, where the balcony should be for the other people, they just have an inside room. I don't know why they decided, why they can't have a balcony, and we can. I'm not complaining. This was something actually found on RoyalCrainBlog.com, and I'll post a link in our show notes at RoyalCrainBlog.com 
to the article about these extra large balconies because these are only Central Park. There's only a couple. There's one per deck on both sides of the ship, and it's pretty cool because. You basically get a whole lot of extra space. My only complaint about the balcony space is that you don't have a lounger chair. You just have two standard chairs and a table. So what you're going to do to take advantage of that space, I'm not entirely sure. Someone did suggest actually asking the stateroom attendant about it, and I thought about doing it and never actually did it myself. So uh, it's one of those things where it certainly wouldn't be a, a – I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to ask. In fact, I think somebody across Central Park, I saw on their balcony that they had a lounger chair. How they got it, I have no idea. Again, maybe introducing your stateroom attendant to President Lincoln and President Washington might get their attention. I don't know. But it was certainly a welcome uh, experience because having double the size of the balcony you know, means that obviously more than one adult can easily enjoy the, the balcony. Not to say that two adults can't enjoy the, balcony, the standard balcony, but every little square foot helps, I think. And it's something that doesn't cost anything extra. So if you're looking to book a Central Park balcony... You know, definitely consider these staterooms because it's basically free extra balconies and you're right in the middle, which wasn't bad. Speaking of that, being center of the deck, I was actually a little worried about that because Oasis-class ships obviously are big ships. And getting from one side of the ship to the other is always a little bit of a hassle. And I found, though, that staying in our where our room was was literally in the middle of the deck. We were essentially equidistant from both elevator banks. At first, I thought that would be a problem. My, my thought was, oh, that means I won't have an ele- elevator bank that's convenient back to my room, right? That's a really easy walk. But it, the reality was it was actually better because no matter what side of the ship I was on, I didn't have to worry about, oh, i got to walk across the entire deck. No, it was always the same amount of walking. And being halfway really did was, was a nice perk, I, I, I have to say. Otherwise... Room was great. No complaints about it whatsoever. I definitely would do a Central Park balcony again. For our group cruise, we're doing a ocean-facing balcony because my wife prefers the view of the ocean, but to each their own. Now, in terms of dining, that's something I always like to highlight. We tried something completely new this time, which was the Ultimate Dining Package. The Ultimate Dining Package allows guests to book a dining package in which you will eat at a specialty restaurant every night of the cruise, plus lunch on sea days. And it's kind of an interesting idea. It was $168 per person, which breaks out to about $24 a day per person, and that rate seems to be holding true for regardless of how long your cruise is, whether it's four nights or three nights or seven nights, it seems to be about $24, as at least of the recording of this podcast and based on my research. That being said, it's a tremendous value. I mean, at $24, to put this in perspective, if you were to go to Chop's Grill on Harmony of the Seas just once, it would be $49, right? So to pay $24 and be able to eat there, I mean, that's that's half the cost, right there to eat at that restaurant on that particular day and across the board there you know it's it's the value is tremendous i mean izumi you get a 50 dollars stipend per person so between me and my wife we got a hundred dollars to spend at izumi many of you know i love izumi i cruise for izumi i can't spend 50 dollars worth of sushi i mean i did (laughs) But it was admittedly more than I ever needed, and we ate there twice for dinner, and twice I walked away with a very prominent food baby, and I was <laughs> I regretted it, and yet I didn't regret it. It was kind of odd. But I got to tell you, it is an insane amount of food is really what it is with the Ultimate Dining Package, especially on sea days in which you're eating at a specialty restaurant for lunch and dinner. It's just – it's a ton. Uh, so, of course <laughs> – so, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but of course, I always say, well, you know, if you were going to, if you're not, if you weren't ordinarily going to 
pay for all that food or pay for all those dining experiences, then perhaps it's not really much of a value, right? Because if you're 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 getting more than you would have already paid for out of pocket, so it's really not a one to one correlation. I do think the ultimate dining package is great for somebody who's going on newer class ships, Oasis class ships, Quantum class ships. Uh, definitely, other class ships may the, it'd be a little more muddied water. But you know, look, it, it's really about people going on these newer ships that have a ton of dining options and. Arguably, more, more importantly, you have a desire, a strong desire to eat at it, all of them or as many of them as possible or to repeat them. I am a firm believer that the complimentary food on board Royal Grand Ships are, is really, really good. I love the main dining room. I love the Windjamer, Cafe Promenade. Even Sorrento's Pizza has a special place in my heart after a certain hour of the evening. It starts to taste really good. I don't have any problem with the, with the free food. There are many people out there who may disagree. I think the free food available on the ship is really good. And I could easily subside on that solely. And I've often said that the specialty dining on Royal Caribbean ships is really meant to augment the food available on on the ship. You know, the complimentary food, that is. And it's not necessary to completely replace it. With the ultimate dining package, that's essentially what you're saying. Is that, you know, you're not going to, other than breakfast, you really don't step foot in any of the complimentary restaurants unless you choose to. And for me... I think for going forward, I pr- it depends on the ship I'm going on. But if I was going back on Harmony of the Seas, as an example, on Harmony of the Seas in, in September for the Royal Caribbean Group Cruise, I'll probably do a four-night dining package, maybe a five-night. And the only reason I'm saying that is because there are just some days in which you just don't you don't need or don't want to eat at especially a restaurant. Coming back from a shore excursion day, having one of the last days of the cruise, you know, towards the end, you start to get food fatigue. I've talked about drink fatigue. You definitely get food fatigue where you're not really that hungry and it's you just want something easy and quick. There were probably one or two nights I definitely did not need, especially a restaurant, and there was probably one or two lunches that it just wasn't necessary. In fact, the lunch option seems to be the least necessary option. I thought it was going to be really nice to have. It was nice to have, but it's it's not critical. Dinner is a whole different argument, right? You can really say, oh, wow, it's, it's really nice to have, you know, especially restaurant dinners. But for lunches, it was more of a like, okay, I guess we're going to Sabor again or, you know, having Jamie's Italian or chops. It's nice, but I didn't ever felt like, yeah, this is like, you know, really necessary, especially because the menus at all the places for lunch are very similar to dinner. Uh, you know, at Sabor is exactly the same menu. Jamie's Italian and chops is a f- slightly different menu. I mean, it's, it's more of a reduced menu, quite honestly. But I, I don't know that one is significantly different from the other. Granted, they are cheaper if you pay for them a la carte, so you can make that argument to it. Uh, it's, you know, this is what I'll say. It's a lot of food. It's not a lot of price. But I think for a lot of people, you may, it just, it's a lot. <laughs> it's what it comes down to. But again, if you want to experience all these restaurants, if you're saying, you know what, I've never been on a Oasis class ship. I want to experience all these kinds of restaurants I've heard so much about. This is the package for you. If you're somebody who doesn't like the complimentary food on on board the ship, this is the package for you. If you're somebody who wants to maybe make every night a little more special, maybe it's your honeymoon and you want to have that extra service, the dedication, although I'd argue the service in the main dining room is certainly very, very good as well, You know, if, I could see this package being for you. I think that for a lot of folks, the three, four, or five-night dining packages will probably be more than enough. This is really for somebody who wants to experience all the restaurants on board, all the specialty restaurants on board, and, and that's a top priority, which was, which was exactly what I was looking for on this cruise. But that being said, I think uh, I may not do it every single time is what I'm trying to get at. The value is, is terrific. I mean, at $24, forget everything else. I mean, you can skip like three or four meals probably and still break even compared to buying it on your own. 
I will say one thing, which is that with a dining package, it is super important, super, super, super important to make your reservations early, especially on day one. They had set up in the main dining room on day one a time and place where everybody could go and make reservations easily. We took advantage of that. But not only is it important to make your reservations, look at the show schedule. On Embarkation Day, they gave us a schedule of all the shows and what times they'll be at. And that was really important. I didn't realize at the time. But looking back at it, the problem is everybody makes reservations around the show schedules. So later on in the cruise, you will find it extremely difficult to change reservations or get in at one of those times that's opposite one of the shows. It's actually – that was always the problem. Is like you know we would there were a couple nights where we wanted to change it. We made all our reservations for about 8 o'clock or so because we like late dining. And then turned out, oh, there was a couple nights where we wanted to change it. And there were a couple times where the where we we essentially were at the at the mercy of the uh, of the manager there at the particular especially restaurant. Luckily, it worked out for us. But then again, it was only two people, and accommodating two is a lot easier than accommodating four, six, eight, etc. So, ideally, what you really want to do is go in there to making your reservations. You want to have a breakdown. You want to have a list of all the restaurants and times you want to book them, and you want to make sure you take into account your show schedule as well as some of the schedules in which you can't see it before the cruise. So on embarkation day, when you're sitting in that terminal, see if you can get that that sheet. If not, once you get them aboard the ship, get that immediately and then make reservations on embarkation day so that way you can have the best possible chance to get all the perfect times for you. Now, one of the things I did on this cruise, which I think many of you know because I mentioned it in the preview podcast, was I worked from the ship. In fact, I ended up working from the ship three and a half days. Uh, there was a, The July 3rd was a half day, and then the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I worked from the ship. In terms of performance, the Voom was great. I, the Voom is real it's high-speed internet. I was able to maintain my VPN connection nearly all the time. There were a couple issues. I worked from my stateroom primarily. And the reason why I did that is I wanted the least amount of distractions. I wanted the least amount of ambient noise. If I had to take a phone call, I didn't, you know, Matt, why are they playing hot, hot, hot behind you? <laughs> you know, darn kids. And I didn't want to get into all that. So I, I wanted to work from there. Um, I will tell you that, again, performance-wise, it was fine. There were a couple of dropouts here and there. This happens every now and then. Sometimes the ship just moves into a place where the satellite has to reconnect. And you'll notice it because you go to load something and nothing happens. Nothing detrimental. I was never down for like an hour or more or anything like that. This, we're talking about, you know, 10 minutes here and there at most. Uh, certainly, I did a couple of conference calls via a VoIP application. I used a combination of Skype and Wi-Fi calling on my phone. Both worked pretty darn well. I never had any major issues with it, in fact, the uh, the Skype ended up working better than the Wi-Fi calling. Um, I will tell you that I ended up buying multiple uh, Voom packages because I needed to be able to have my laptop online and my phone online. And I actually had two laptops with me. So, you know, depending on how many devices you need to have, take that into account. It certainly worked fine, and it can work for a lot of people. The issue I had with it, honestly, has nothing to do with a technical issue. It was more of the fact uh, mentally dealing with it. I mean, essentially, it's like being... The only kid at summer school when everyone else is playing outside or if it's a snow day and you have to go to school or something like that. Like, you know everyone's on the ship having fun, having a great time, and you're in your room working. And that I struggled with more than any technical issue at all. And that leads me to what I do this again. Probably not. Not for as many days as I did. Three and a half days was just too much. I told my wife I would probably – I would consider it for a day or two on another cruise, but – 
in general, I'll probably try to avoid it more than anything. Because, again, it's just – it's like you're living on Temptation Island and you're stuck there on the ship. Now, every evening was wonderful. Being able to, you know, be able to sign off for my work and then go and enjoy dinners and drinks and shows on board the ship was truly amazing. And considering that, you know, I would wrap up work around 5 o'clock and we would stay up till you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night. That's not a bad amount of time to be able to spend on board the ship, not including any time before I started work, right? And having your 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 coffee breaks and lunch breaks in the Windjammer or in Park Cafe, I got to tell you, is pretty darn sweet. I did enjoy that quite a bit. But overall, I just, you know, it's not that it wasn't technically possible. It was just, eh, I, 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 my, my mind was elsewhere, and that bothered me more than anything. So I might not do it for more than a day or so. In fact, I would recommend if you're trying out to work from the ship, uh, I would probably just try out with a day or so just to give a, a feeling for what it's like because, you know, it's. It, I think that the mental hurdle is more the issue than anything else. But otherwise, it worked fine, and I had no other issues with that uh, to report of. So A-plus for the uh, the Voom Internet worked quite well. Had no problems there. In terms of entertainment on board the ship, we saw a lot of different shows. I saw Grease for the first time ever. Believe it or not, I've, ne- I've never actually seen Grease, the musical, or the movie. I've now seen the musical. Grease was amazing. I really liked it a whole lot more than I thought I was going to. And maybe because it's the first time I was seeing it. Most people have seen it 500 times already. But it was really good. The cast was exquisite. I also saw Columbus, the musical, which was amazing. It's my favorite, still my favorite show on board a Royal Caribbean ship. Columbus is an original production. And the cast was really, really good. This is the second cast I've seen. In fact, when we go back on Harmony in September, they we were talking to some of the some of the uh, the crew members on board, the cast members on board um, this current sailing, and they mentioned that their contracts will be over. So some, if not all, will be gone by the time we hit September again. So I got to see a whole new cast uh, perform in the show. But it was great. We saw 1887. My wife saw the Ice Skate Show. Uh, you know, overall, I always enjoy the shows on board. We also tried something completely different, which was the new escape room. Now, it's not the Escape the Rubicon, which we've done before. Royal Caribbean has added a new escape room. Perhaps you remember the episode we had a couple weeks ago where we interviewed the uh, the founder and co- co-founder, I should say, and CEO of Puzzle Break. We tried out that Royal Mystery show that he was talking about. It's actually on board. So there's actually two different escape room experiences on Harmony of the Seas. Escape the Rubicon which is in a dedicated room, and then a royal mystery, which is actually held, or at least on our sailing, it was held in the on-air club. The royal mystery is kind of like clue meets escape room. So you're given a bunch of different clues and and uh, evidence, and essentially you have to figure out who done it. There's a someone was murdered, and you got to figure out whom committed the murder. And it's interesting because you you, they, you team up just like you would on another experience, but Unlike the Escape the Rubicon, you're competing in many different teams in the same room. There's clues throughout the on-air club. It reminded me a lot of the Anthem escape room experience, where which was held in the teen club. It was certainly a different one. In fact, some of the clues were downright very difficult, and I would borderline say I would it would have been impossible for me to figure out just because my mind didn't work that way, and I never would have thought about that. Because we got hung up on, I think, two different clues, and when they revealed the secrets at the end, I was like... Oh, I would have never figured that one out. That being said, it was fun. It was free also. We should mention the Royal Mystery had no additional cost to it, which was nice. The Escape the Rubicon does have an uh, 8 or $9 cost to it. I think in both cases it's worth doing, but 
at, if nothing else, try out the uh, the Royal Mystery. Royal Mystery is supposed to be on other ships as well, including Brilliance of the Seas, Ovation of the Seas. So it's available on other ships, and I believe it's coming to other ships as well. So something to look forward to, and I think it's definitely worth trying once. It was fun. It was something different. And we were at a bar, so you get to have drinks while you're doing it. <laughs> it wasn't a terrible idea. So that worked out pretty well. In terms of the ports we visited, Nassau, we had no plans. We, we tried mightily to figure out plans. The problem was the time. We were there from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. We ended up getting there actually – we didn't clear customs for like a good half an hour late. I don't know why. It's Nassau. It's not, the, not exactly known for having the tightest security in the world. Anyway, that being said, the captain did extend our stay there an extra 30 minutes, so no harm, no foul. We got off the ship. My wife and I just went and went in search for somewhere to eat uh, for breakfast. We figured we would get off our, the ship. Eat breakfast and just do some shopping, get back on board in, term, in time for lunch. And that worked out pretty much exactly how it worked out. The, one of the issues about Nassau, and this is true if you're going to the port, if you're going to arrive before 9 a.m., the port area is nothing's open before 9. There's like one or two places. And that was a mistake on our part. We should have waited until 9 o'clock because once 9 o'clock hits, bam, lots of things, more things open up. We thought perhaps the locals would figure out that in this, the schedule is not a mystery that they would open up early figuring, well, there's people in port. In fact, we were one of three different ships in port. Surely they would be opening up to take advantage of the customers there. That wasn't the case at all. So if you arrive there at 7 a.m., you're not going to have anything to do until 9 a.m., so keep that in mind. That being said, we did find a nice little restaurant. It was uh, actually near the British Colonial Hilton. It was probably about a oh, seven-minute walk maybe from the port area very easy to get to and we had a nice little brunch there uh they had starbucks beverages i originally went in there for starbucks and then realized oh they actually have breakfast in here and it was fine it was great you know it was about ten dollars a dish not terrible pricing it wasn't we were we were worried we were gonna have to go to like a hilton or some other hotel like that for breakfast and pay like twenty dollars for breakfast and which just you know it's like come on we're in nassau we're not in manhattan i'm not paying twenty dollars for breakfast and ended up being pretty good you know yeah you had your omelets french they had some local dishes there that i was a little too afraid to try uh but it was it was pretty good and afterwards we did some shopping so you know not bad for nassau it's a weird time otherwise we'd done something a little more interesting i gotta say um I will point out also, one of the things we were considering was just the Aqua Venture at Atlantis. They originally, it was a, it was very expensive, and we ruled that out because of the expensive option. And then later on, we realized the, they made an announcement about it that the, um, the, the most of the slides wouldn't be open until 10 a.m. So it was just one of the, I was glad I did not book that because of that issue. In, in St. Thomas, our plan was to go to St. John's. We almost chickened out of the whole idea. We Once on board the ship, there was a notice that because on St. John, they were going to be celebrating Carnival on July 4th, which is the day we're going to be there. So there could be issues with traffic and closures and, and ferry congestion and a whole lot of other issues. And I started thinking, oh, man, I mean, maybe this isn't the time to do it. Maybe we shouldn't do it. But we, we went anyway. We took a taxi to Red Hook, and that's where the cruise ferry is. Easy enough. Picked up the ferry there. Uh, there was a line outside, and I thought for sure we we're going to be stuck there for like hours. Ended up moving quite quickly. In fact, because of Carnival, the ferry company decided just to continuously run ferries. Instead, usually the schedule is every there's a ferry every hour on the hour, but instead, because there was so much demand to go to St. John, they were just running ferries continuously, which was great because then as soon as we got our tickets, we were able to board the very next ferry, and easy peasy, there you go. Now, getting off the ferry, the, this was the only problem we had. There were a lot of streets closed because of Carnival, and we couldn't find a taxi. We just 
it was like, I don't know where they are. <laughs> we walked up at this, this hill to this tree. You can find anything. And we're like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Anyway, we eventually some taxi drove by, and I was like, hey, taxi. He's like, oh, you got to go to this area to go pick us up. I can't pick you up over here. I was like, okay. So once we found the area, it was fine. We picked up the taxi immediately, and off we went to the beach. Had no problems there. So, I again, I don't think our experience is ter- typical of – uh, an average day there, but we wasted probably 30 minutes trying to find the taxi. But once we were there, we went to Cinnamon Bay. A lot of people go to Trunk Bay, but we were uh, going to try Cinnamon Bay, and it was beautiful, amazing. In fact, I mean, St. John was just gorgeous. It's you. I really can't explain to words how beautiful it is. You know, you we saw a bunch of different of the beaches when we were driving by. I will tell you that Cinnamon Bay was significantly less crowded than Trunk Bay because we saw Trunk as we were driving by, and my wife said, "Oh boy, I'm glad we went to Cinnamon Bay this time because there were significantly more people at Trunk Bay." But you know, it's uh, it's it's at least on tr- one of the issues of Cinnamon Bay, I should say, is that there was there's not a whole lot of facilities there. There is a little surf shack, and we could, we were able to rent a a couple of beach chairs, but there's no umbrellas available. It was very windy, also, so it wouldn't have mattered. The guy said, "Look, even if I give you an umbrella, it would blow away no matter what you did." So, uh, not a lot of shade. But if you're so if you're a shade seeker like me, there were some foliage towards the back of the beach, which is where we sat. But otherwise, it was fine. It was actually, I mean, it was just gorgeous. The water was crystal clear it was that beautiful color of turquoise the sand was white i mean it was just gorgeous beautiful amazing we're so glad we went in fact my wife said afterwards she probably would entertain the idea of bringing the kids the next time because you know if it's not carnival it's actually not that difficult to get back and forth and you know we gave ourselves plenty of time we got back actually to the ship probably around you know i want to say like two o'clock two three o'clock and we'd have to be back until about seven so you know we we took it extremely cautiously but it was our first time there. I wanted to make sure we did everything right and didn't get stuck there and ended up working out extremely well. So I highly recommend St. John. It's great if you've never been to St. Thomas, if you've been to St. Thomas a number of times. If you haven't been to St. Thomas, go to St. Thomas and do, you know, Megan's Bay and go to Mountaintop, do all the typical things. But if you're going on a cruise to St. Thomas and you're thinking to yourself, man, I, you know, what, what, nothing's really standing out to me. Go to St. John. It is super beautiful. And the experience is pretty cool. Taking the ferry, it's, it's like a, I think they say 20 minutes. No way. It's like 10, 15 max, and it's very easy ferry to get to. There was no issues with uh, being seasick on there. It's it was it was all very very enjoyable and fairly inexpensive also. So something to keep in mind for St. Kitts. We didn't get off the ship. I was working that day. My wife went to the little port area, did a little bit of shopping in the port, but didn't actually leave the port area. So not much to uh, to talk about St. Kitts. Perhaps the next time we'll be able to uh, check it out. Uh, otherwise, on board, back on board, Harmony. My fa- let's talk about favorites. Fa- my, one of my favorites, especially restaurants on board. Actually, it's not. I mean, I did enjoy Zumi and Sabor, but it's not the answer. One Fifty Central Park. I we went there based on a recommendation by Michael Poole. He was on Oasis of the Seas, and he's posted some photos from his experience at One Fifty Central Park. And I, my wife, and I, both of us were like, "Wow, this looks really, really good." More than we thought. So we went there. I got to tell you, people, the two, the the steak for two at One Fifty Central Park is. Amazing! I we had just eaten at Chops before the night before. The flavor in the steak in One Fifty Central Park is just out of this world, crazy good. I really wanted to go back in. My wife was not too keen on it, just because she's not as adventurous as I am. But oh my gosh, amazing! It was uh, that was the meal that I I'm going to be dreaming about. We ate it like I said. We ate a Zumi for sushi only because the with the ultimate dining package you can't eat at Hibachi. We'll be rectifying that when we go on Harmony in September. We ate at Sabor. Uh, at Sabor this time was different because there's a slightly new menu and it's also all in, it's it's that all inclusive pricing instead of the a la carte pricing, which was fine. I will tell you my favorites. Uh, they got rid of the tuna taco, which I know I 
which I already had my heart attack back when I heard about that earlier. But they have a fish taco, not tuna, just a different kind of fish. And that was really good, actually. That was my favorite. I tried the – we went there like three times. I went. I tried the tuna tacos, the chicken tacos, and the beef tacos. By far, the tuna were the best. In fact, what I like about the tacos now was it's self-served. So basically, you get a bowl of meat or protein, however you want to look at it. You get a shell, and then you get an assortment of, of sides, and you create your own soft taco. Oh, so good. Oh, now I'm thinking about it. I'm starving. <laughs> it was really good, and I enjoyed that. Obviously, the guacamole is – Amazing for those keeping score at home. They did not make it in front of us. They were still making it off to the side somewhere, but it was fine. It was so 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 good. Izumi was great. Like I said, way too much money. Fifty dollars a person. All right, I'm sorry. I ended up. This is what I ended up ordering. This is. I want to quantify fifty dollars a person. I ordered a miso soup, a tuna appetizer. It was like they called it. I think a carpaccio, but it was just you know diced tuna of some kind. I got a the DX sushi combo and the sashimi combo, and I was still a smidge under fifty dollars. Then my wife, who definitely did not spend fifty dollars worth of food, you know, I, I could have easily gotten another combination. In fact, the last night we ate there for our last meal, I had three combo packages, and because my wife said you can't eat three combo packages, and I said that sounds like a dare to me, and which then she just shook her head because she knew already my mind was set, and I did so, and I did eat it. And I regret it. Oh, my gosh. Don't eat three combo packages. It's too much food. But that's the bottom. $50 is crazy. You can't eat $50 of food. But it's great for groups because if you're going with like four, five, six people, just order everything on the menu and just share it because you're going to have all this money anyway. Why not? Right? Just incredible. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I love I love support. I love Azumi. So no, no issues there. We had a Chops Grill. Uh, it was Chops Grill, standard issue Chops Grill. That's not a, that's not a, that's not any kind of thing disparaging kind of remark against it. I love Chops Grill. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's just you know it was the same essential experience which I enjoy all the time. Jamie's Italian. Actually, we had a wonderful server. She was so good, and uh, and she really uh, made the meal. Quite honestly, we tried a couple different things there. I had a, a spaghetti dish, which if you're going to if you're going to Jamie's, they make their pasta fresh every day. So for me, that always just sways me in terms of my choice because it's like, well, if I'm gonna, you know, if they're going to make it fresh, I'm going to eat it, and it was excellent as well. I think in terms of lunch between Sabor, Jamie's, and Chops, I probably give the edge to Jamie's or Sabor for lunch. They're both really great choices. Uh, Jamie's lunch menu is pretty darn good. My wife swears by the uh, the, the Tagliatelle uh, pasta that she got with the truffle oil. She she raved about it. And, of course, Sabor, you just can't go wrong with it. It's so good. The one thing I will say about Sabor was, and this will lead me into my weather discussion, it is hot in Sabor. Sabor is open air. There is some air conditioning, but it's it's open air. So unless it's blowing right on you, you really don't feel it. In fact, when we were first seated there one day, we were seated in the very back corner booth, which at first I didn't mind. And then I realized there's absolutely no airflow back here, and I had to change seats because it was so hot. In general, we were, obviously we were selling in July. It was hot. I mean, it was really hot outside. If the ship wasn't moving... There was really some stagnant air going on in open air areas like the Boardwalk or Central Park, uh, even on the pool deck. Quite honestly, I it got to the point where I was really a lot of times I was saying I really don't want to go outside because I don't want to deal with sweating to death instantly. Uh, I it it will give me pause honestly to, to book another summer cruise. It may give me I may not I may do it again, but I may I'm gonna have to think about this. And this is a mental reminder when I reel this in this episode in a year from now that Matt, first of all, you're gorgeous. Second of all rethink that cruise in the summertime july is just it the humidity the heat it really really made for uh some uncomfortable situations now 
you know, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to, you can't avoid the heat all the time because, of course, you know, in the tropics, it's warm year round, right? I think the issue is just that in July, you're talking about like peak heat right there. July and August are just, you know, you're, it's going to be the hottest times of the year. And that may say, you know, instead of maybe do a cruise in May or June or even September or October, you're going to find different weather patterns there. So, and for some people, they mind. They, some people don't care. I mean, so, I, I'm admittedly very picky about my weather, and it was just, you know, it's one of those situations where if you walk outside, within a couple of minutes, you're going to start sweating. And pretty soon, you're going to be profusely sweating because it's just, that's how it is. Uh, but, you know, to each their own. Some people don't mind that. Some people say, hey, I want it hot. I want to be able to be able to go into the pool in and out without having to worry about getting, you know, cold or chilly or anything like that. And certainly... Being able to take advantage of the pool was great. We did a lot of night swimming, which was wonderful. Had no issues there, and being because it was so warm out, didn't have to worry about that whole "ooh, I'm so cold, I got to run back to the room," and you know, none of that. It was great. So you know, it, it works both ways is what I'm trying to say. And overall, we had a great cruise. I mean, everything was uh, was really well done. The service was amazing. The food was great. The entertainment was even better. I had a great time, and I'll tell you that, you know, Harmony of the Seas remains my favorite ship in the fleet, purely because there's so much to do on board, and that's what I love about it. I love that there's so much to try, so much to eat, so much to see, so much to, uh, we just, we never were out of things to do on board the ship, which is a great thing, and I really enjoyed it quite a bit, and more so, I, I was concerned, honestly, that maybe going into this cruise, you know, doing this cruise in July in Harmony and then September again, perhaps I would overdo it, and perhaps I would run out of things to do. No. No, 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 no. There's even now more I want to try uh, when we're back on in September again. And it's it's just a it's a fantastic ship. It really is a testament to what Royal Caribbean has been doing with their ships lately. So I love it a lot. And I'll post a link, by the way, in our show notes to our live blog uh, at, at uh, royalcaribbeanblog.com. So you can read about this. you got to see the photos. you got to see this experience. It's really, um, you know, it, it really made a big difference, I think, to be able to see the photos and and share in that, and I had a lot of fun, and I want to thank everybody who did participate in our live blogs and and checked us out on our live streams, whether it was on Periscope or Facebook. It was really a lot of fun to be able to share with all of you, and I'm now even more excited for our cruise in September on Harmony of the Seas with some of the friends on there because we get to get back on board and re-experience some of these with friends, and also, believe it or not, it's... There's still more we haven't done on board the ship, and I'm excited to finally try it. And most importantly, I won't be working on board the ship, which is the best part about it. Oh, I can't wait to get back on board Harmony. All right, it's time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the show where I take the emails that you all send in about really anything Royal Caribbean and answer them here on the podcast. If you want to have your emails read on the Royal Caribbean blog podcast, well, it's very easy to do so. All you have to do is send an email to Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email today comes to us from a very good friend, Christy from Texas, who writes, so excited to hear that the moms with twins is looking to take them for their first birthday on a cruise. What a great experience. I just wanted to pass on a little tip since she mentioned diapers.com to mail the diapers to her hotel. I have found that we go through more diapers on a cruise than we typically do on land. I'm not sure if the nursery charges them, changes them more often than we do, or if all that windjammer food makes her go more, but definitely bring more than you think. The same goes with little snacks like baby food pouches. We always go through those more than we think we'll have to, and then end up having to stop in a store in a port somewhere to buy more. My other tip is maybe think twice about arriving at the port super early. We have a hard time corralling uh, our daughter until 1 p.m. when the rooms are available. 
Can't wait to hear how your trip goes. Lucia, if you're listening, please do a trip report on the Rollerquin blog message boards. P.S. How do I get to live in... How do I get to live in Nanny? <laughs> nice. Christy, thank you for the... Thank you for the uh, for the suggestion. That's a great idea, and I agree. When it comes to bring toddlers or just children in general, any supplies that you need for a cruise, always bring like an extra twenty five percent or so because you know it's not the end of the world to have to go to a store on port, but you really don't want to be in that situation or worse, be on a sea day somewhere and then realize you're out of diapers or out of formula or whatever it is you need. You know, make sure you get those things ahead of time. So, Christy, great recommendations there. Thank you for sharing that. Our next email comes to us. From Vidar, who writes, uh, by the way, here's some information about our recent brilliance of the sail sa- brilliance, brilliance, brilliance of the sea sailing. It was our first cruise ever and our honeymoon. We went on May 25th. Barcelona, lots to see. Paella is an absolute must, but stay away from the street restaurants at La Rambla. For Nice, we went to Monaco and we're lucky enough to see the GP2, which is Formula One-ish. Laverno. Florence is even more beautiful in real life, especially interesting for those that played Assassin's Creed 2. That is an epic reference right there. Uh, Civa, uh, that place near Rome in Italy, Civitavecchia? I know I butchered that, and I apologize. Took the train to Rome. Colosseum, underwhelming, but lots of other things to see. Buy tickets in advance. Electron tickets are accepted everywhere. Salerno, rented a car and drove around the Amalfi Coast. This should be on the bucket list of everybody. Prettiest place we've ever seen. Venice, Venice, maybe. <laughs> Crowded main streets, kept the smaller side streets, which were nice. Murano and Burano, which are islands 30 minutes northeast of Venice, were amazing. Zadar didn't get to explore much because I got sick, but saw a little, uh, well, the little we did see was very nice. Couture, just like a Norwegian fjord. The only thing missing were snow on the mountaintops. I'm from Norway and live close to the fjords, so I know what I'm talking about. Sea days, lots to do. We loved going, doing trivia. Activity teams were amazing, especially Bernie. Hello, Chloe. The cruise director did a great job. Friendly crew. Very good food. We love the Mystery Dinner Theater, which is a new experience to us. Also on board, Chops Girl was a little bit of a letdown. Giovanni's was better than expected, and we loved Chef's Table. Izumi was good with sushi, but Hot Stone lost his charm after about two minutes. Rita's Cantina seemed to be removing the cantina part. They only served margaritas. The food at the Windjamere was also better than expected, and the main dining room served some very good dishes. The ship itself, although a little dated, didn't feel that dated, actually. Even though it's one of the smaller ships in Royal Caribbean's fleet, it still seemed like it was more than big enough. We had no trouble filling our 12-night cruise with things to do the whole time. Even managed to put in some pool time. Here are some of the negatives about our cruise. We had booked four activities on the cruise plan before this trip. Mystery dinner was excellent, although they moved dates without informing us. Luckily, we went to double-check the first day. The cupcake decoration class wasn't in the cruise compass, so only my wife and I and one other couple actually showed up to it. The whole thing lasted 15 minutes and was very disappointing. Sushi-making class was moved to the last day before our booking again without informing us, so we showed up to an empty restaurant for our booking. Very disappointed. All-access tour was interesting, but the tour guide seemed rushed, probably because one of the attendees was 15 minutes late and it was a sea day, so why did everything have to be rushed, though? After all, we paid $90 per person for this. The captain wasn't even on the bridge, and we only got about 10 minutes on the bridge before being rushed to the laundry room. Yay, laundry! (laughs) They wrote, yay, laundry, not me. Main dining room servers were good, but the host didn't seem to be fully in control. A lot of unnecessary waiting, mixing up tables, etc. All in all, we loved it. Best vacation ever. Thanks to the blog and podcast. They were very helpful for us that have never done cruises before and even helped with a, quite a few trivias. Next up, Symphony of the Seas. Vidar, I love the email. Thank you so much for sending this in. I love these just bullet points. Here's what we liked, what we didn't like, what worked, and, you know, really easy to do. Um, but 
awesome. I'm glad you had an awesome time all overall, and thank you for the report. Our next email comes to us from Boris, who writes, We're traveling with the family on Harmony of the Season in October. Four of us in a two-bedroom aqua theater suite, so star class, and the other three are in a boardwalk balcony. Can any of the others join us if we get an over-the-water cabana? Thanks. I, Boris, I believe you're asking about getting the over-the-water cabana Labadee at Barefoot Beach, which is the sweet only beach. The answer is they can. When you get a cabana at Barefoot Beach, you're going to be getting, you're going to be given wristbands uh, that are for guests of that of that uh, cabana. In which case, yes, you can give them to other people that are not even staying, that are not in a suite or have, have regular access to that beach. So that won't be a problem at all. Very easy to do. I've done it before. There won't be a problem. So when you get there, they'll ask how many in your party. Say, oh, you know, there's there's six of us or whatever, and you know, I'll, I'll distribute the wristbands appropriately and. There you go. Uh, easy peasy. Next, we have an email from Christina Myers, a.k.a. WNO. Uh, Christina writes, love the podcast and appreciate all your help and insight when planning our cruise vacations. I hate that I'm writing to you about this, but I cannot in good conscience allow you to adopt that atrocious pronunciation of guacamole. I just heard it was so bad. I had to stop mid podcast to write this. I am fully bilingual with my first language being Spanish. Just want to let you know your current pronunciation of guacamole is totally acceptable and pretty close. You're just missing the accent. In Spanish, it's more like guacamole, I think. Or if it's easier, you can say guacamole. But please do not ever call it guacamole. <laughs> All right, guacamole. I've never even heard anyone pronounce it like that. Maybe the person was pulling your leg. That's so weird that I wasn't going to write in, but I, I thought I'd cringe every time you said guacamole. If you started using the guacamole pronunciation, I can only imagine the look of the waiters at Sabor or in Cozumel if you asked them for it with the wrong pronunciation. I'm not so, that much of a stickler for grammar, and this email of mine is all in good fun, but I did look out for your street cred when ordering Mexican food. <laughs> Thank you, Christina. You know what? I, I I appreciate it because, you know what? I want to make sure I'm saying the right thing. I honestly forgot about that email. There was an email, I guess it was a couple weeks ago or even longer, where somebody said I was pronouncing guac, pronouncing guacamole incorrect and said I should be called guacamole. And, of course, I don't know any different. I don't know. I'm just a dumb American. But um, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that it's actually guacamole. So, thank you, Christina. appreciate that. We have time for one last email. One last one. <clears throat> And it is from Max, who writes, uh, Hey, Matt, thank you for reading this. It's been about eight years since my last cruise. I'm, I'm happy to say that we are in the packing phase for our Allure of the Seas cruise departing uh, very, very soon. I was just wondering how beer is served both at the top deck bars like the pool and sports bar, as well as other bars throughout the ship. I was wondering if my wife and I should pack beer can koozies for when we're out by the pool. I know, I just pack them anyway, they don't take up much space, but I was just wondering. Can, bottle, draft, thank you very much. Actually, actually uh, Max, sorry, this is a really good question. So when you're on board a ship, when you're on board a Royal Caribbean ship, any drinks you get served are going to be served in the uh, in, in the actual uh, cups, right? They'll, they'll pour you the beer or what have you. Um, when you're at a uh, that's at the at the pool bar, I should say. When you're at the restaurants, like the pub or whatnot, you get the drinks actually served to you. You have the option of either in the in the bottle or in the in the in the glass. Bringing a koozie is not a bad idea because, especially when it's really warm outside, it can really make a big difference uh, in terms of being able to make sure you can keep your drinks a little bit cooler. In fact, I was saying that when we were on Harmony of the Seas uh, last week, 
there was a couple situations in which I said, I told my wife, I was like, man, I really wish I brought a, a beer koozie. It would have really made a difference. We were in uh, St. John. I believe that's where it was. So obviously that's not on the ship. But it, like you said, Max, it really doesn't take up much space. You can really cram those things almost anywhere. So yeah, it's a really good idea. I just never think about it, quite honestly. Maybe we need to get Royal Caribbean Blog beer koozies. Huh. Huh. Yes, the uh, the gears in my head are starting to turn now as I think of possibilities of lucrative career of selling beer koozies. <laughs> so it's uh it certainly no no little very little risk involved in bringing them there, uh, but it can der- certainly make a big difference in terms of keeping your drink a little bit cooler for a little while longer. So I like the idea. And Max, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for this week's emails. Of course. Love answering your questions about everything Royal Caribbean related and whether you want you have a question or you read something on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com or maybe you heard me mispronounce something, which is actually very likely to have happened. Regardless, whatever's in your mind about Royal Caribbean cruising, let's talk about it together. Send me an email, Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.